to the Dennis and Friends podcast, a place where my friends and I talk about whatever we want to talk about, what are interests us, or what's going on in life and around the world. I'm Dennis, the host of this show. This is episode 70, another milestone number. We're just approaching all the milestone numbers now. And this is the first of two recordings for me on the day of our Lord, February 2nd, 2023, because again, we have shut down the world here in DFW because of two inches of ice. So I've literally nothing to do and this is how i'm killing time and today speaking of ice we're talking about a sport that's played on ice today uh ice hockey nhl all the things involving that and so i've got my my hockey expert uh, one of my trusty sidekicks a guy who's been on the show a few times before and i'm very glad to have him back garrick O'Connell, live from somewhere in mckinney or close to mckinney texas somewhere from mckinney but howdy thank you for having me on i think this is what my fourth third or fourth now? yeah i think so, so. Third or fourth? Well, whatever it is, it's a milestone for me. Yeah, fourth, so, fourth, because you did two. <laughs> fourth, yeah. Two last year, two yeah. Playoffs. Two playoff ones, and then we did the one before the season started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been a long time coming. I've been talking about it uh, for a while, listener, and it just hasn't worked out. But finally, it worked out this week, in part because we can't leave. Like none of us can go anywhere. So, what else are you supposed to do? Okay, so in retrospect to the season. Uh, we are we are right before the All Star break. If you are fresh off listening to the latest episode, which Jake and I did um, yesterday, we talked about the NHL All Star Game logos and drafted them. But the NHL All Star Game is quite literally this weekend, so that is uh, where we're at in relative to the season. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things, just kind of some disappointments, some surprise things about the year so far talk about the trade deadline coming up talk about a little bit about the all-star game but primarily as you guys know we're from dfw so of course we're going to talk about our dallas stars stars and they are sitting very nice in first place in the western conference which i I know that we had high hopes at the beginning of the season garrett but i i don't think i would have expected us to be sitting in first at the all-star break albeit we lost three in a row um in overtime the last three going into the break. We'll talk about that and the struggles of overtime here in a sec, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking for a sec. Gary, give give us your, uh, your breakdown of the first half of the season for our team. What you like, what you don't like. Um, DeBoer, Jamie, Ben, Robo being great. All, all the good things, all the not so good things. Just give us a summary of how the season has gone so far for our boys. So the good thing is I have more positives. Than there you go. That's so a good I'm thing. I'm a happy camper on that. <laughs> Happy camper. But yeah, the Dallas Stars, I am very shocked going like going into the season. I really was like, all right, we're going to go into playoffs, be a first round, maybe second round exit. Looking at it now, I think we have a good chance of making it to the Stanley Cup final, depending on how our overtime play is, even though there's no three on three overtime. In That's playoffs. true. That's Still, I was going to say that. that stuff, yeah. <laughs> Some of that stuff still translates, though. Some of the basic things, some of the woes that could still haunt the stars. But I am very excited because we are sitting first, number one in the Western Conference with 28 wins, 13 losses, and then 10 overtime losses with 66 points. 66 points. That's absolutely, just looking at it, just being a Stars fan, I'm excited. I'm excited because I haven't really felt this excited in a while. Like, yes, I was excited during like the COVID year and everything, but just, it was different. It was different. Not the same atmosphere. You can't even go to the games, just nothing. We were all shut down. just, I wasn't as excited, but this like feels real. Like we have an actual shot of making it this year because we are good. We, we are a good team. There are some things we got to work on, but we are a good team. We, we have the ability to beat teams and compete with just about every single team in the NHL. I, I super agree with with all of that. I've been very pleasantly surprised with how the team has adapted to DeBoer's system um, so quickly. The offense just looks really, really great. We we don't look miserable on, on penalty kills and on power plays anymore like we did towards the end of last year. I know we talked about it in our 
our preseason episode about some guys who needed to have uh, some bounce back years, specifically some of our veterans. And I know you specifically talked about Tyler Sagan like a lot that episode. Did you expect Jamie Ben to have this resurgence though? Because I didn't, and I've been, I'm very happy that he is for obvious reasons. Oh, I was not expecting that at all. Like the beast has been woken up. Literally, the the beast is awakened, if that's the right English term. But yes, Jamie Ben is Jamie Ben, old Jamie Ben. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really really exciting to watch. Like literally, I haven't been able to watch Ben play the way he has since what the NHL lockout year, the shorn year, where he got what was it the Art Ross Trophy? Yeah, I think that's points what leader. It's called, the yeah, points leader. And at that time, like it was just Jamie Ben. It wasn't even you. Like Jamie Ben is on the second or third line, depending on on the game. Like Jamie Jamie Ben at the time was on the first line. So with his resurgence this year, like it just adds more depth to the team, and it's just very exciting to watch. Like this year, he has 19 goals and 25 assists, so he has 44 points in 51 games. That's absolutely insane for Jamie Ben compared to what he's been putting up the past what two three years. Yeah, yeah. Two, three years. I would say probably two or three years. So it's been it's been very exciting to watch because currently what last year last year in eighty two games, guess how many points he had? Uh less than forty. He had forty six points and okay. he was a minus thirteen. Okay. This year, fifty one games, forty four points. So you could see that the the offense is ticked up, but also on top top of that, he's a plus sixteen. So that means he's been on the ice sixteen sixteen times just about, um, depending on you know, goals when he's on the ice when the Stars score or when he's on the ice when, you know, the other team scores. He's been, it averaged out, he's at 16. So it's obvious that when he's on the ice, goals are going to gonna gonna happen. So through that, he's making a difference. And especially this year, he's making a big difference offensively. Yeah, I'm so happy, like, for him. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. as, a, as a guy who's the captain and has been kind of a, you know, a dud, like, for a long time, it's been really great. Some other stats... Just to throw out, I know you talked about stats um, before we uh, clicked record <laughs> Big here. Stat guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robo has been incredible, sixty-six points with thirty-three goals, which is just mind-boggling, and, and thirty-three assists. Pavelski with thirty-four assists, forty-eight points, fourteen goals. Rupe has forty-six points, twenty goals, twenty-six assists. Sagan has fourteen goals, twenty assists, which is pretty good, thirty-four points. Miro has thirty-three assists. Along with seven goals, he's our, our highest scoring defenseman. It looks like uh, Marchment um, has kind of you know dipped a little bit since his really hot start to the year. He was I, he was pretty great I would have the first to agree. month. Yeah, but he's got twenty two points. Uh, Johnson, why Johnson? Who you talked about at the start of the year? Uh, a name that I did not know, but a name that has been baby face, yeah, baby face Johnson. Very very relevant to the success of the team. I mean, he's got twenty two points as a rookie. Um, uh, 22 points and he's fifth, I think in rookie scoring, right? Yeah. Now. So he, he's, he's in a tight enough spot to potentially beat Maddie Bernier's at, at Seattle, but yeah, it's a long shot. But with Johnston though, he's going to be a proven goal scorer. He has 13 goals already. Yeah. So, and he's the kid's 19 years old. I feel old. And he's I'm on the what? Third or fourth week. line. Yeah. He's on the, he's on the line with, uh, with Ben. And that's okay. another thing. I, a reason why I think Ben is playing so well this year because he's playing with these younger guys with uh, Ty Delandria and Wyatt Johnston. Just giving him that that young youngness has given him that boost to be able to become better and do better on the ice. Now, so uh, applies for Joe Pavelski, but that that guy is just fine wine, ageless. What other things do you like so far about the year? I mean, there's a lot to like, but what what other specific things do you want to point to? I really want to talk about uh, Robertson again. He literally. Earlier in the season, he had that historic 18-game point streak, which that's and, and during that time he had wait, he had 34 points and he was almost averaging two points a game. That's let's just you know call him Connor McDavid at that point. You know it's very impressive and that, and also he uh, beat Mike Madonna's record on that too. I think Madonna's was 17 games, 16, 17 games, and I think Madonna had less points than him. I gotta look at that stat, but just being able to point out Robertson like he's. You know, if people were afraid that he's in a, you know, a sophomore year type of slump thing, like he's not like Robertson's the real deal. He's an elite player in the NHL. And also on on top of it, too, like 
he doesn't look look like that gritty of a guy, but on the ice, like he does those reverse hits and everything too. It's it's been re- like impressive to see him watch himself like protect like protect himself with the puck. Like he is he is just very marvelous with just skating skating with the puck, but just really protecting himself with the puck. And he has a target on his back anyway. He's the best player on the team, and for him to continually just you know get hit and also protect himself in the process and to back up his contract that he signed before Mm -hmm. the season like he's backed up all the money we signed him for and he's probably worth more than that right now oh i would i would say he's worth more so it's like for the stars it's looking good and that's for like jake ottinger too we signed him for a three-year deal and he's he has you know he's playing phenomenal this year so but i think you know just robertson just being able to emphasize that he is an elite player in the NHL and he has the ability to protect himself, you know, while he has the puck, I think is, is great. And also he finds the right spots to, for where the, basically where the puck's going to find him. Like he doesn't even have to go to the puck, the puck finds him. And it's just really, you know, awesome just to be able to watch, watch him play. And, um, was it the game that we went to Dennis that he had the hat trick as well? Yeah. The, the I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna mention that. So, like a lot of the things that you're saying are things that I noticed when we went to go see him. Um, what, that was, was that, that was not this year, right? That was definitely 2022. It, it feels like that happened like a few weeks ago, but it also feels like it happened a year ago. Garrett and I went to go see the stars play the ducks. Yeah. This was before Christmas. It was like November, early December. And we did not see John Klingberg that night, unfortunately. Um, but we did see a Robo hat trick. So a nice little trade off. Robo hat trick and five goals. So was it five oh five oh? Yeah, something like that. And you bought five pucks or however many the mystery puck deal was that night. Oh yeah, a couple a couple of signed pucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah no, I, yeah. I agree <laughs> with all that um about Robo. Um just his growth. Um and kind of some some signs of leadership too knowing that like he's got the big money deal now he's on the first line he's the best player in the team he's one of the highest scoring guys in the entire nhl i think you're seeing a little bit of like that quiet leadership from him in the way that he plays and the way he's carrying himself so i've been very impressed with that because he's still super super young you know what i mean so we've got this really nice young core that we're building around and, and obviously he's a, he's a big uh, part of that of the charge there uh, between him and Rupe and Miro and Jake that's kind of our, four, our, our core four yeah literally so yeah that's that's been really good like I said the defense has looked pretty solid compared to last year because they're you know as we mentioned in all the episodes that we've done we've never been we haven't been the best power play power play killing team uh last few years and it's definitely improved a good bit this year and that's a whole lot of credit to DeBoer. One thing that has not improved, though, and in fact has not been very good recently, is our performance in overtime. As as Garrett alluded to, uh, we have 10 overtime losses, which is a lot. It's, I think it might be the most in the league besides uh, San Jose. Yeah, it's the second most behind San Jose. And San Jose is like fourth to last in the Western Conference, and we are the top team in the West uh, so if, if those overtime losses translate to wins, we'd be in a lot better spot. We'd actually be like pretty close to where Boston's at right now, um, which is a team we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I, I looked up some some research as to why things are going poorly in overtime periods, but what do you think the the problems are, Garrett? Well, one looking at it, like we are what is it three and ten going after regulation. So. Yeah. Three and ten after regulation play. And a couple of those games, I think three of them, four of them, have gone into a shootout. But the biggest thing, yes, is overtime. And when you look at it, like it's all about getting those important points. Like, yes, when you go in go into overtime, you get that one point for going into overtime. But you're playing for that second point for playoffs. With those ten playoff or ten overtime losses, that is ten lost points. 10 lost points. Imagine just how big those 10 points can be. Those 10 lost points would mean we would be at 76 points instead of 66, and we would have an 11-point advantage of up on the West, and we would be tied for second in the whole league with Carolina. In the whole league. And 
Well, just imagine if the Stars won the, what five of those games, half of those. That's five points, Still, and that's a, yeah. a six points. That is six points ahead of what the next closest team in the Western Conference, the the Jets. So, just the idea of how important those points are, um, you know, needs to be emphasized. But going into like details and specifics of why we are losing in overtime are two things: getting beat defensively and turnovers. Turnovers are. I think one of the biggest things that can change games it is one of the biggest things. And through that, it just, from what I've seen, though, is just we're not having good puck possession. We are handling the puck very poorly in our defensive end. Um, or we're just giving it away somehow in the, in the offensive zone and just having an odd man rush. And then at that, and, and then it comes on to another thing, too, is like forcing passes. Like, yes, three on three has a lot of open ice, but from that three on three, you're playing man on man. You got your guy defensively, and if he's if he's getting close to you and everything, I feel like the stars are forcing a lot of passes that are creating turnovers. And when you force passes, then then that's disaster. And it's happened a couple times. And I was, when I went to the what is it the Hurricanes game uh, a couple weeks ago, the Stars Hurricanes game um, was it on a Wednesday? Uh, the game the game went in overtime, and we lost the puck behind behind Otter and. Puck was passed it right right in front of the goal, boom, shot, and everyone left. Like it was so frustrating to watch because it was the overtime wasn't even thirty seconds. Yeah, it was just because we created a turnover and we got beat defensively, and those are the two main reasons why our overtime play has been such a disaster this year. And it's also an interesting fact too that. Out of the 10 losses, Jamie Benn and Miro Haskinen have been out there for six of the 10 losses. Jeez. I don't know how that plays a role, but I'm not sure if it's because we're not being strong on the puck or we're trying to get too fancy in the defensive zone and breaking out uh, of our defensive zone to get into the neutral zone. It's an interesting statistic to see because if both of them are out there on the ice, then it seems like it's a 50% chance, 60% chance that the other team's going to score because of a, a turnover or just playing soft on the puck. I noticed that, obviously, and this is not like an original thought, like, obviously your personnel changes when you're in a three-on-three situation, and hopefully, God forbid, if we're in a crazy situation like this in the playoffs, that we will be better in some ways because it's five-on-five five and not three-on-three. Three. We kind of don't have a, a ton of great options that are, like, right for the situation um, of playing in overtime i think think robertson should be good but for some reason there's not it's not clicking all the way the older guys you know are veterans they just don't have the same speed you know like speed is is a big factor um having guys who are fast are big there um that's where like i think about gurianov who spoiler alert when we talk about trade deadline i think that is a guy who i think the stars might move um, at the deadline for somebody, um, I would not be surprised. A hundred percent. Um, because he he's got all the things that you think would make him like right for overtime. You know what I mean? I mean, he's not really that playable because he's been so inconsistent throughout the year. Um, which is again disappointing because he's got all all the all the makeup, all the tools. He he's had a really nice season a few years ago. He was big in the Cup run in twenty twenty. So. I mean, I I don't. There's not a lot of guys who I would say like they're they're good for overtime. Like Miro is probably like one of the right guys for overtime. Maybe Rupe as well. Um, I want to say Robertson, but he's just not there yet. I'd like to see. I really feel like. Sorry, no, no, totally no, no. interrupt you there. No, Dennis. go ahead. Um, I really feel like just trying. I think a good thing though is to have that balance and shuffle the lines. Have that veteran presence on on a line, but on top of that, just have that have that young young flair whether that's like i don't know someone who has more of a uh, defensive mindset like let's put luke glenn denning out there and have roping with them like i don't know if that dynamic would would be different or something like that just try it try to have like all right we'll have a defenseman out there miro or you know hawk and paw or something have a veteran player that complements the young offensive player out there like yes ben ben is a a a veteran player, but maybe trying to have that defensive player and like Luke Glenn Denning um, out there, you know, might spark something or might really have something click that could solve these issues in overtime. Yeah. 
I, I would like to see Wyatt Johnson out there a little bit more, just to to throw him out there, see what happens. Have, having him with like like Glenn Denning, like Johnson, Glenn Denning, and, and Miro or Essa as at, at one point, not necessarily that that's the that's the trio you start with. That could be a nice little combination. I don't know. Um, just because you need you need energy there to make it through a very chaotic five ten minutes, however long the overtime period is, and you also need guys who can win possession on faceoffs. Um, that's something that I have noticed is that we like don't win faceoffs when we start overtime. Um, and I know that last year uh, there was a couple times, you know, same problem where like Bones would like switch guys out immediately after winning a faceoff in overtime and it bites back in the butt. I understand like the the risk reward there of like having like like Jamie Ben who's probably I think our best face off guy I would argue mm-hmm. right um, like if he starts off he wants to face off but then you you send him right back you you shift the line a little bit and then what if you get caught out um, because you're making a line change immediately into the to the start I don't know I, I hope that DeBoer is thinking about that I'm sure he is um, because that's his job he's supposed to figure all all that out I do think though like I said earlier that. Some of this will go away in a five-on-five setting, but I understand what you mean by the sense of, like, there's some characteristics that can carry over, like, in a five-on-five setting um, come playoff time um, if they don't get fixed. So Also, some of that, like, probably plays into, like, you're playing, like, the Stars had three overtime losses in a row. And playing, what, five extra minutes of hockey every other night? Like, that could get exhausting. Yeah, it wears on you. It wears on you and through that like fatigue will set in. And so when you have when you're tired and you have some fatigue, you don't make the best decisions. Your your mind is not sharp. Therefore, you make lazy passes, forcing the puck, and you have turnovers with with that. And and then on top of that you get beat you get beat defensively. So yeah. it just it all all plays in into the same thing of of why the stars haven't been good in in overtime this year. And I feel like through this nine day break that the stars had, um, or had currently having like, you know, DeBoer tries to figure something out. And also that break, it, you know, energizes them into hopefully, you know, doing good and, oh, an overtime play. If there is overtime. The next yeah. We haven't played in like a week, week. right? Yeah. Like last yeah. Friday was our last game, like before yeah. the break, which is kind of crazy. One thing that is nice though, is our goal differential. <laughs> I was going to say, Plus I, was 40. To, I was bringing that up. So we'll be talking about the Bruins a little bit, but I, I was going to bring that up. The Stars the stars and the Devils are tied for second in the league for goal differential and with 40. And so that's a good example, though, for the Stars that offense is clicking. The reason why we got Pete DeBoer was to unlock the offensive game. We are one of the top goal scoring teams in, in the NHL. And then on top of that, we are playing good defense with the goal differential and and our record. You know, the pieces that have been put in place, the synergy is working. Everyone's on the same page and we're seeing we're starting to see some of those results. And now we're getting to this point of the season where we're gonna be filling in the gaps, whether that's gonna be trade deadline or you know, fixing overtime problems. Like we're getting to the point where, where this this machine is running, it's running, it's running, and there's a couple kinks here and there. We're going to put those pieces together to fix those kinks, and it's just going to be a be a you know just steam rolling down, and we're going to be ta- be taking down teams once playoffs get. I get what you mean. All in all, we're in a good spot, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very exciting spot. Yeah. Um, and as much as I would like to be more hopeful and more optimistic about where our season could end and how far we could go, there's a big bad team in the East. Not a big bad team, but there's a big team in the East called the Boston Bruins that is just far and away the best team in the league right now. Um, and I know that you like them a lot, so what, why don't you uh, give us a little breakdown as to why the Bruins, with first-year coach Jim Montgomery, former Stars coach as we all know and love, are so successful. Well, it was clear when we were in the off season, well, just in general, the NHL off season, that the Bruins were going to go out this year. They re-signed Krejci, who left the year before to play in his in his home country of uh, I think it's Czech Republic. He's from, uh, so he played played there for one year, and then this year he came back and signed a one year deal. With that, we signed a one year deal for Bergeron. So. Looking at that, it's 
it's been very interesting to see because the Bruins are going literally all in this year, all in. And it's, it's been crazy to see how they're playing. Like I wasn't ex- like, I knew they're going to be a top team, but I w- didn't know that they were going to be the top team. And it's, it's been very exciting to see because they're literally just rolling teams over. And I think the biggest part in that is one, their depth. They have a lot of scoring depth. Their, their first line is crushing it with a uh, posture knock, uh, Marcian and Bergeron. Pasta. Pasta. Mm. So pasta, he literally has 38 goals this year. 72 points. So stupid, bro. He's killing it's it. So, so stupid. Then on top of that, you got, you know, the rat Brad Marchand with 16 points and Bergeon with, with eight, with 18. So that first line alone is just lethal. And then, you know, second line is you got, you got that depth and uh, signing Krejci back. He's not, not a big goal scorer, but he, he's a, a reliable two way center that, that you need to play not only offensively, but you could play him defensively as well when, when you need him. You could trust him in, in the end. Um, and on top of that, you got uh, Taylor Hall. So that's your top top five players right there. And then the the weakest link I think would be for the Bruins is is the to find that top six player. Um, currently, they have uh, Pavel Zaka, who they traded from the New Jersey Devils in the off season, and he's been a good good fit in that complementary role. But I really feel like if the Bruins could find someone else. In that role, I, I really feel like they they you know have a really 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 good shot once playoff comes. Uh, yeah, and they could fill fill out that that top six role. And then on top of that too, their you know their third line fourth line is just insane. You got Charlie Coyle, uh, Jake DeBrusque, uh, Craig Smith, Nick Foligno. So they have good veteran players that have playoff experience, and and that that's going to be great when when they get get down to the stretch uh, in playoffs, but. But for now, they're they're just killing it, and it's because of one, their first line is just absolutely elite. Two, their depth, and then three, haven't even gotten to this yet, but their goaltending, unbelievable. Their goal, their their goaltending. They have currently uh, Linus o- o- Olmark. I don't know why I said o- I was about to say Omar, but Olmark. Um, he's ranked number one in the league uh, with O. One point nine goals against average and a point nine three seven save percentage. So each game he's allowing what less than two goals a game. So when you're allowing less than two goals a game, and then on top of that, your your team is scoring four goals a game. Like that's just absolutely insane. And that's and that's what I was going to get into is the goal differential. They have the highest goal differential in the league. With it's 81. like 80 something, right? That's 81 insane. goals. 81 goals. And then right behind them are the Stars and Devils of 40. Like the Bruins are doubling that. And then and that's because of their goal the the goaltending. And then their backup goalie too. Uh, Jerry Swayman. Uh he's ranked 6th in the league for uh goals against a- average for what 2.34 and his save percentage is a .914 with the goalie tandem that they have there in in Boston. It's you know, it's trustworthy and it's reliable. Um, and they're over, like, uh, Swayman's record is uh, he 12, 3, and 4. So, uh, with a, if your starting goalie gets out, Olmark, you, you have someone that you, you can trust to, to start and and fill that role and be that player to end the pipes. So, it's, it's crazy to see how well-rounded the Bruins are this year like I knew they're going to be well-rounded but I didn't realize that they're going to be as well-rounded um as we're seeing right now because it's just remarkable one thing that has caught my eye with them I solely based this on like the three games that I've seen them play because obviously we live in Dallas we don't get all the Bruins games well I mean I guess I could if I had ESPN plus but I don't have ESPN plus as of now but one thing that really caught my eye was in the winter classic uh when they played Pittsburgh they're a different team in the third period. You think you are safe, like if you have a lead or if you're holding on, like they're they're built different in the third period. They have mm-hmm. this like swagger and attitude and just this like, okay, we're going to get the job done stance about them every single time they go into the third period for the most part. And they execute so well at the end of games. Um, I mean, they that game was tied or they were even down in in that winter classic after two periods and they and they won um at the end 
with, I think, one or two goals. Yeah, those two goals from DeBrusque. Yes, thank you. So they know how to execute and to to come up in, you know, I'm using all cliche terms here, but like come up in the clutch. They, they know how to, to finish the job at the end of games for the most part. And that's why they're sitting like so pretty at the top. Like they have a, a pretty substantial lead. Well, not a substantial lead on Carolina because Carolina has also been really good, but they, they've been just unbelievable. Um, they've mm-hmm. only lost seven times. They are, they're almost at 40 wins, which is an insane number to think about. Only five overtime losses, which is okay. And the only reason why Carolina's there because they've won seven in a row. So yeah, that's the one thing for me is that if you don't have like a five goal lead in the third period, they're going to find a way to get back in it. And that is not just a, a regular season thing, I think. Like that is something that I think will translate very, very well in a playoff series because as we all know hockey playoffs are wacky plenty of 1v8 upsets 2v7 upsets whatever you know it's it's not i mean we've had an 8c to win the dang cup shout out the la Mm -hmm. kings so i don't think they're they're bound for that i mean i think they're far and away the favorite for me i think they're gonna make the final no doubt um even though the east the top of the east is so tough Carolina is is really good. Toronto, if they make it out of the first round, we'll see. Uh, New if Jersey, they make it. yeah, New Jersey's really good. The Lightning are still hanging around. The Rangers are still pretty decent. Washington's still pretty decent. Pittsburgh is, is a pretty decent matchup against Boston themselves. So yes. there's a, there's a lot of of solid teams, but they they stand out above the rest for just their their ruthlessness on offense, like you said, their goaltending and their third period execution. And I think a lot of that. Uh, credit goes to to Jim Montgomery, um, who oh, I, I've liked that hire um, 100%. I know you did too. too. I'm, I'm glad he's doing well. It's It's been cool to see him back in the fray after what happened with him and having to step away uh, from a head coaching gig for a little bit. And he's been really awesome in that job. Uh, I don't know how sustainable this is like in the future because like you mentioned, like this is definitely an all-out uh, this year sort of thing. We'll see what happens uh, beyond. But this year, I mean, it's it's theirs to lose at this point, I would say. so. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And then also with the trade deadline coming up too, they have a couple positions that, you know, that they could fill to really just f- fill out their team and make the big bad Bruins scary. Yeah. Even scarier than what they are now. Also, it's crazy to see too because when you look at the Eastern Conference in the in the Atlantic uh, Division, which is what, what the Bruins are in, um, the next team behind them are the Toronto Maple Leafs with seventy points in the standings. Yesterday, the Bruins played the Maple Leafs and beat them five two. So it's just it's really crazy to see how you know you get get a team like the Maple Leafs that have Marner and Matthews and, you know, Tavares, a bunch of these, these big studs that, um, you know, are known to score goals. And then you have the Bruins that are just out competing and outplaying them. And, and it's not even their top guys too, that are scoring. Like last night, when, if you, if you look at the goal sheet, did you see Marshawn, Pasternak or Bergeron on that first line at all with the goal? Nope. Nope. It's, literally depth it is depth and on top of that too it's you know defensemen too chipping in so it's you get you have goals like you know shorthanded goals they've got a shorthanded goal last night and then the rest are you know five on five play so like when you have have your team working at all systems whether that's five on five play power play or penalty kill and you know the synergy is going. I guess you could say that's the that I think that's the biggest word to use here is like their syn their synergy. Everything's connected and they're all they're all on the same page. Right. And it's been really, really, really interesting to see this year that um, you can see that they were going to go all out, and it's clear and evident that they're going all out plus some. And again, if if they find something in the trade deadline that that rounds out that top six, and then also if they find a, a veteran defenseman as well. Um, that could really complement Charlie McAvoy, then it's it's going to be, you know, 2023 Stanley Cup champions, Boston Bruins. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. How happy would you be? And also, like, 
feel weird about a Stars Bruins Cup final, hypothetically speaking? So, I've <laughs> thought about that before, and like I would, of course, I'd be very excited. My entire family would be excited, as you know, my dad's from from New England and from Massachusetts and Rhode Island in that area. So he grew up as a as a Bruins fan. Grew up watching, you know, Terry O'Reilly, Bobby Orr. You know some some of those guys, but um, it'd be very interesting to see. Like I'd be excited. I definitely would. You know, go for the Stars. They're they're my team. They're they're my hometown team and the team that I grew up watching. Um, but it would just be be really awesome to see. You know the the team that I grew up watching play, and then the team that you know my dad and his side of the family absolutely loved and and watched and always talked about when I was younger. So really look up. You know, admire the Bruins as well, and it's just it'd be really remarkable to see and, and something that, that, you know, I would never forget. Be really yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I feel like you would have a lot of, of different feelings like to that, you know, and knowing you, you would try to go to a game here and what a game in Boston knowing you. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, just, just take a flight, visit, visit some family, free stay and everything. Yeah. There you go. Try to, you, con- try to yeah. convince them not to pay for a ticket. But I think if I, went into the TD garden wearing a, a stars Jersey. I don't think I would be able to walk out. Yeah. Yeah. You would have to, you got to get one of those like half and half things <laughs> like the half. Bruins, half stars. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm that, not going to be that guy. That That's more reserved for people who have family members on both teams. Like, uh, Travis Kelsey's mom <laughs> who deservedly yeah, really will have a, be, a split. That's going to yeah. be interesting to see. Super Bowl's yeah. coming up too. So yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, very, very interesting. Let's kind of quick fire a little bit on these next few questions, if that's okay with you. Let's Give do me it. your your biggest surprises of the season. There's no limit to how many you can say. And this can be a team. This could be a player. This could be a coach. This can be something you've seen in the league. Give me your biggest surprises. Um, well, I when I was thinking about biggest surprises, I really thought of just one team. One team as a whole. And it's the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. <laughs> the Third Seattle place. Freaking cracking. Like, it's insane how you go from, what, 29th in the league last year to 30th to, what, top, what is it, top They're three? They're the third team in the, the West Western right Conference? now. Yeah. yeah. Top top three team in the West. At the beginning of the season, I was not expecting this, and I'm s- still just kind of shocked. <laughs> Like it's it's absolutely insane to see. Like it's just it's been a big surprise this year, and I've watched a couple games of you know them this year, and they are gritty, they are fast, and they got young guys. So the Kraken are here, and they're here to stay, and they ain't going anywhere. And it's going to be very scary to see in the next couple years where they go. They have you know so far a bunch of well-rounded scoring, a couple guys that have really just you know come out of the shadows. Like Jared McCann, he has twenty three goals this year. And then you got more scoring depth too. You got uh, Jordan Eberle, Yanni Gord, who you know has Stanley Cup experience with the, with the Lightning. And then on top of that too, you get uh, they added a couple important additions this year in free agency. You got Martin Jones, and you got Andre Burakovsky, who Burakovsky won the Cup with the uh, with the Avs. Facts. So you got you got guys that have playoff experience, not only playoff experience, but Stanley Cup final experience and winning. And when you get guys that are great additions to the team that have that experience and that could, you know, play defensively and play well on both ends of the ice, it's going to, it's, it shows. And it's been showing for, for the Kraken. And you got Burakovsky with 39 points this year. And it's, some of those additions are great. And then you get Martin Jones, who has a 23, seven and three record. So when you get free agency is key and the Kraken really capitalized on that and it's evident. And, and then on top of that too, since they got depth guys like Yanni Gord and Jordan Eberle, like it's, it's going to be awesome to see. And then with the young guys, they got, um, Maddie Berniers, who's the leading goal scorer, uh, for rookies. I mentioned that previously, but, um, and then on top of that too, you, the fourth overall pick for 2022, Shane Wright, he, it was kind of an iffy pick. He started out with the Kraken in the year and then got sent down. They got some guys that could score and not only currently, but in the future. And some of those future guys are ready to play in the NHL. So it's going to be interesting to see next couple of years where they go. Um, but they have been the biggest surprise this year. And yeah. I've, I've been shocked this year on, on the way they, they played. I thought they were going to be a middle of the team pack or middle team in the pack this year. 
you know, they're one of the top teams in the West and they're, they're competing with teams like the Kings who have been actually kind of equally surprising. This yeah. Year too. Yeah. They've been really I've been, nice. I've been shocked, shocked with the Kings as well. They're second in the Pacific right now. And then on top of that, like it's interesting to see how the NHL is trying to develop this uh, golden Knights and, uh, and Seattle Kraken rivalry in 2024 right ahead of the winter classic right ahead of the winter classic and everything so you got the two two new teams on the block and they're really trying to develop this rivalry so it's gonna it's i'm excited to see how that develops in the next uh, within the next year and even at the winter classic um but this year they have been my biggest surprise shout out our boy alexiak uh who was the the sacrifice from our squad to go to seattle in the expansion draft but He's in a good situation over there. So, oh, he's in a great, great situation. If Very they could shore up their go. defense a little bit, because they they're like a, a pretty chaotic team in the little bits that I've seen them play. If they can they can shore up a little bit on, on defense, that that'll bode well for them to to be successful in a playoff run. Because yes, they've been really great. Um, obviously, surpassed surpassed a lot of expectations from a lot of people. But also, I kind of get the vibe that this could easily flame out in round one, just because. They are an expansion team. They have not, they've never done anything. They've never been to the playoffs. This is only their second mm-hmm. year. That part of that worries me. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they could go crazy and have a, a Vegas run like uh, they did a few years ago, but I don't know. I, I just hope that they can shore up their goal differential a little bit, especially in defense, because they've let up a lot of goals. They've let up uh, 151, which is which is a pretty good bit. It's not as much as uh, as the Kings. Um, they've let up a lot more, but you got to shore that up a little bit going into the playoff hunt. My biggest surprise, and I don't know if it's a big, big surprise for a lot of people, but mine honestly is Winnipeg. Um, just because I did not think Bones, first of all, Bones even taking that job was a big surprise for everybody. And it just kind of seemed like he's just kind of doing it just just because he wants to be there. And I know he has history there. And just kind of was like, all right, we'll see what happens. But they're really good. They're second place. They're right behind us. So that is something that has caught my eye. They're fitting into his his system. They haven't scored as many as the Stars, uh, but they, they've let up about the same. So their defense is pretty solid. Um, they've only lost one time in overtime, which is pretty good. They, they have more wins. They have, of all the teams in the West, they have the most wins with 32, which is uh, third in the league, or tied for third in the league with a bunch of teams in the East, but yeah, that's, that's the team that has surprised me the most. I, I'm, I'm not following a lot of big players or player stories this year, so I can't like pick a player, but if I had to pick a team in the West, it would for sure be Winnipeg and the East is kind of panned out like I thought it was going to be. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not that surprised on the flip side. Uh, what are your biggest disappointments so far? I've got, I've got a few more of those as opposed to my surprises, but who has, who's been a dud this year? I really think the Florida Panthers have kind of been a dud. I really thought they're going to be one of those uh, those top tier teams in the East, but they're they're just on the cusp of a playoff spot. They're a couple spots out, and they're just not. I really don't know. They just haven't been able to perform. I guess at what I was expecting, they're almost at five hundred. So it's just I, I would expect them to be like a you know. 10 game 10 game win team over 500 um but they're they're just about 500 so it's just it's been it's been quite a letdown i had them in i think in my uh playoff uh prediction or something like that in our previous episode but yeah i would say they they would be the biggest dud this year i think it's just because of consistency i think mine is colorado right off the bat um and not that they're playing bad like they're only nine points behind first in the West. So it's not like they're like in a miserable spot by any means, but for, you know, being the defending champions, it's not that surprising that they've kind of dipped a little bit because they did lose a, a good bit of depth um, in the, in the off season, um, like Burakovsky and guys like that. So that, that would be my, my, my big one uh, in the East. I mean, Tampa has, has digressed, which is not that surprising, um, to be uh, to be brutally honest. Uh, I wish Pittsburgh was a little bit better, though, because they have a good team. I agree. Uh, it's just it's been in- interesting to see this year. It's also like with the Avalanche too. Um, 
just hinting on the avalanche, they have been riddled with injuries. They have had a lot of injuries. And through through those injuries, you could tell because they haven't, I would say if they were at full strength, then they would be one of the top teams. They'd be right up there with stars, if not ahead of stars. But like through the injuries and with, with the injuries that they've had throughout the, the year, um, they've played through a lot of adversity and, and a lot of those challenges. And, um, you know, just to see them in a playoff spot alone is remarkable. I really feel like, though, if if they get people back at full strength and they get in the playoff spot, they're they're going to be a you know a team that will terrorize uh, terrorize different different teams in playoffs. Uh, I'm trying to think. I had another one, and now now I'm forgetting. I mean, I I guess St. Louis to some degree. The West is pretty tight, so I don't I don't want to harp too much on on big disappointments in the West. Jersey, I guess too. Just because they, they're they're not a bad squad, but like I said, the East has been kind of what I thought it was going to be. So it's not not all that, I would say. Um, what other questions that I have for you that I sent you earlier? Oh yeah, the All Star uh, stuff. Actually, before we get, to, let's end with All Star. Let's do trade deadline because uh, that's coming up. I know we talked about uh, in relative to the Stars a little bit what that looks like. I think Guryanov is the most likely to get moved of anybody. Is there anybody else on our team that you think could be moved when the deadline hits, whenever that happens? I don't know when the data that is, but I think if the stars really try to find someone that I guess is higher caliber scoring um, and a little bit younger too, I, I don't know, maybe Foxa. Um, Like he's a big portion of our team, but you know, we got to get rid of something to get something. And if that's Gurianov and maybe a draft pick or maybe a um, Foxa or maybe um, one of our prospects, then that could possibly happen. But I don't necessarily see it. I would say the biggest piece would be Gurianov. You would like to get Kadobin like off the mm-hmm. off the payroll off the roster, but you can't just like straight up trade him away, you know, like you got to have him as yeah. like a filler piece. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Guriana for, um, and Kidobin for somebody, whoever that is, whatever the, the need is. Um, are there any other, are, have there been any trades that are, that are super important? This is where I I'm, I'm going to let you dominate more because I, I'm not as well informed as you are. Uh, any big traits that, we need to know about slash any potential trades that could happen pretty soon that could shake things up. So the biggest trade that happened most recently was the Bo Horvat trade. Uh, Bo Horvat uh, is a center iceman for was a center iceman for the Vancouver Canucks. And you know, what's very interesting about him is that he is representing the Canucks at the all-star game still. So that's going to be interesting to see. He's still representing them or representing as a Vancouver Canuck, even though he is a New York Islander now. This is a big trade because it really fills out more depth scoring for the Islanders. Um, They traded uh, Anthony Beauvillier and uh, a prospect as well and a conditional first round pick for Horvat. So with this is a blockbuster trade too. So I really feel like this trade will set basically set the foundation for this trade season coming up and the trade deadline. Can we talk about Vancouver for a sec? I forgot to mention them. That was the, the team I was thinking about earlier. Mm-hmm. What a chaotic franchise right now. I mean, the way that they fired, I can't remember the, the old Be- coach's oh, name. Bruce Boudreaux? Yeah, Bruce. That was handled so horribly. And then bringing in Toshe, which I thought was a, mm-hmm. a big surprise to, to steal him off the TNT crew and bring him on uh, when he has not had a good history as an NHL head coach. What is happening in Vancouver? Dude, I really don't know. It seems like they are they have young guys, but they're just getting rid of some of them. Like, they got rid of Bo Horvat. I wouldn't be surprised if the next guy that they're getting rid of is uh, Brock Besser. Um, he's a center iceman as well, but I think they're going to keep Elias Peterson, but other than that, it's just... I would hope I that they keep Elias Peterson. He's kind yeah, of important to what they do. 
But yeah, and he's super young too. So I feel like if the next couple, I would say the next two, three years are just, if you're a Canucks fan, sorry. <laughs> like, it's just a lot of, I guess, miscommunication of what's going on. Like, let's just fire our coach, get rid of him all of a sudden. Let's hire uh, someone else. And on top of that, let's trade a couple of our top players. So I feel like they're cleaning house. And that's what that's what's going on right now is that they're they're fully cleaning house and it's just you know they're figuring it out as it goes. Borderline dumpster fire, must I say, um, going on over there. Uh, any other trade deadline stuff that you um, wanted to mention? I would say the biggest thing. There's a couple pieces. Eric Carlson for the Sharks. He's had a great year today, or great today, <laughs> a great year <laughs> this year. And then on top of that, too, Timo Meyer of the Sharks. So it seemed I got a feeling that the Sharks are going to clean house because they don't have many big pieces. And they're also in the bottom four teams of the Western Conference. Yeah. So I really feel like they're going to get rid of those those pieces that they have now to get future pieces. And then on top of that, too, I think Chicago Chicago's going to figure something out. Yeah. What are we doing? Um, like, get rid of Kane. Get rid of uh, of Taze. Taze. Like, like the dynasty he's been over. awesome this year not gonna yeah. lie it's just the the dynasty's over and they just got to move forward <laughs> like there's nothing else that they could do like patrick kane is probably the best goal scorer and you know a u.s born goal scorer i would say um not discrediting mike madonna or anything our like boy that, but <laughs> my guy number nine you know, there's going to be a couple pieces I wouldn't be surprised I would be moved. And if Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze get moved for a first rounder or something each, then I think the Blackhawks will put themselves in good position for the next couple years. And on top of that, too, Anaheim, um, they got John Klingberg for a one-year contract for $7.5 million. Yeah. So clearly the Ducks aren't the best team in, in the league, and they signed Klingberg hoping that they could flip him. So I wouldn't be surprised. Potentially, you know, a theory is that the Bruins might pick him up to to compliment Charlie McAvoy or something. What a pickup that, that would be! That would be insane. I wouldn't be surprised if they they all flip Klingberg here pretty soon. And then another name spit out would be uh, Jacob Tuchurin of the Arizona Coyotes. That's just a whole other uh, you know garbage fire of a show. There, it's just you know they're. They just don't have any guys that are great. He's he's the one of their young defensemen who's a two way player. You know he has Dreslaw offense and he plays twenty plus minutes a game as a defenseman. So I feel like he's going to have you know or he's going to be a big target um, for teams that are looking for defensemen in the market. So um, those are some of the players that I keyed in a bit. But um, no, Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane they they got to go. Chicago's got to get something for them. Also, it'd be really cool to see if uh, the New York Rangers would trade for Patrick Kane so that you get uh, Arteri uh, Panarin yeah. and Patrick Kane back on a line. Yeah, um, wow. That would, so be, that that would, would be nostalgic. Be, <laughs> that would be awesome to see. Um, because those those two, you know, playing together, they they were they were just basically the same human. They, they knew what was going on and, you know, they created some magic in the offensive zone. So... If the Rangers could pull out a trade for Patrick Kane, I wouldn't be against it. They got to get something. And I know that they're older, but I think they still merit a good bit of value. Um, both of those guys, Taze and Kane. So just get it done, Chicago. It's too long. It's been too long. Should have happened, honestly. Off season or yeah, something. Yeah, before the season started. So get it together. Especially with Taze now, you could command a little bit more because of the season that he's having. He's probably got a little bit of a higher value at this point. So yeah. Get something, man. Do something. Okay, uh, let's end with All-Star. I don't know too much about the rosters. All I know is that the logo is super sick and the jerseys are pretty cool and that it's in Florida. And I know that uh, Robo is one of our guys on the team. I know DeBoer is coaching uh, our division team. Um, you excited or what? Dude, I'm I'm happy that Robo has the ability to to show off the stars and also show off his skills um, in this all-star game. Also the jerseys. I love the jerseys. It It's definitely that pastime uh, throwback because they, they, ha- 
the NHL had the same logo that they're they're using this year. I think in the late '90s. I really like the throwback feel, but also with the moderny retroy twist with the colors in it. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. So I wouldn't be opposed to buying a Robo uh, All Star jersey. Hey that's a lot of money. But it is. Um, no, the the All Star games. I I really. I might be in the small majority here, but this is kind of my hot take a bit. I feel like the the all-star game that the NHL is doing this like every year with the three on three now is really, I guess, taking the fun out of it as much for okay, me personally sure. as being a big hockey fan and watching. Um, like it's awesome that they're doing a tournament style and everything, but like I want to watch a game, like an actual game of West versus East. And I would love to be able to. I don't know, watch that. Like, I I remember when I was a kid watching it, you know, watching it on TV, whether, whether that's on, you know, NBC Sports or Versus <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day, but, yes. Like, I loved being able to watch, like, an actual game. And I really, really, really enjoyed that. And I haven't really been able, like, personally as a fan, enjoy it as much watching it on TV, like the games itself. Like, I love watching the skills competition. Um, that's basically what I watch every it's year. Super fun. Ha- it's so fun. It's so fun. Whether that's the hardest, uh, you know, hardest shot competition or accuracy or speed, like there's a lot of exciting events to watch and being able to see the best players in the world, uh, show off their skill is awesome. But with the three on three, I feel like, like, yes, the all-star games are supposed to be fun and enjoyable. But for me, like being a big fan of hockey, like I don't enjoy it as much watching it. Yeah. And that's my hot take. That's my hot take. Yes. The crowd can boo me. The crowd can boo me and I'll accept the boos. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I like the, the five on five more than the three on three in, in that setting. The skills competition, like you said, is great. I talked about it a little bit last night, but the jersey is cool, but I just wish the colors matched it. Or if they had like the, the like the, the crest, you know, like kind of back in the day where they have like the, the team mm-hmm. logo, but like draped in the all-star colorway. I wish they would did something something like that this year again, but I understand going all in a reverse retro because that's what they push pretty hard this year and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it should be fun. Um, I'm not going to be able to watch it live because I'll be working sadly all weekend, but I'll I'll make some time early next week to to look back at tape or look at highlights or something like that, uh, which should be pretty fun. Speaking of fun events involving the nhl have you seen the jerseys for the stadium series that came out uh the other day actually yes so i am very i like i am a fan of the capitals jerseys they're interesting but they're they're really 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 cool i like the the alternate logo that they that they have um but i don't remember the the jerseys for the carolina hurricanes Actually, I'm looking at them now. They're they're okay, but I really feel like the Washington Capitals jerseys. That's a that's like that's awesome. It's a it's a flashy jersey, and it's a logo that they normally don't use on a jersey except the just a small alternate logo. Right. So being able to enhance that and show that big on a jersey, and also showing the pride of America too. Like, I'm assuming that's an eagle. So. It looks that like is. an eagle. Yes, that is an eagle. So sorry, sorry for the bird etologists out there if I was wrong. <laughs> but, um, it's yeah, it's it, it's an it's an awesome awesome logo that basically represents our country and dis- and displays our country and just the logo in general is pretty sick. So being able to to look at that and and see that is really awesome. And then on top of that too, it's in a W, the eagle. So for Washington, of course. But on the bottom part of the eagle shows the top of the capital. It's like in the shape of a capital. So it has a, it emphasizes a lot of our, of our country and, you know, Washington, D.C. So it's, you know, as an American, I'm proud of that jersey. But, um, you know, coming from a high hockey fan standpoint, too, like, I'm not complaining about this jersey at all. It's, it's an awesome jersey. It's really, really cool. And it's unique. And it's something that's different. For the Hurricanes, though... Like, I think my four-year-old nephew could have, you know, drawn that on a coloring sheet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's just, I, it looks cool. I like black and red, but it's, it's, it's cool, it's but it's just, it's, 
I don't know. I've seen that logo so many times. They they wear that, you know, the eye of the storm every single game. Like, yeah, it's cool with the colors, but I feel like they could have done a little bit better on the design. What was I going to say regarding this? Oh, the numbers are so big. That's my one like big qualm. They're they're rather large on this oh, jersey. On the arms? Yeah, rather rather big to me. And maybe I'm tripping, but they look they look a little too XL yeah. for me. You know? No, they they do. I, I don't like we we know what number you are. We see it on the back back of your jersey. Let's see it on your arms too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. No, the the Capitals jerseys though, I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, I I I like them a lot. Uh, the Hurricanes though, I don't know what Adidas was doing, but they need to need to fire that guy who designed that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just it's too safe, especially for Stadium Series, because like those games don't happen in in Carolina like that. Like, oh yeah, Raleigh doesn't get any outdoor games, so like have fun with it, but. I get it. I get it. You want to you want to have something that's appealing and that sells well and it's going to sell well, but yeah, it's a little too safe. Um, am I missing anything? We've covered a lot in the last hour and 10 minutes. But... Um, I'm trying to think. Also, well, I do want to point out like one big positive for the Stars this year. Um, I feel like we haven't well, we 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 went over it a little bit, but um actually two things. Uh, the Stars' resiliency in the third period. There's been a couple games where they've totally come back when they shouldn't. Um, a game would be against the Blackhawks this yep, year. They uh-huh. were down, what, four goals and yep. ended up scoring, scoring five. I remember that game um, very vividly. So that one. And then also, um, I went to the Stars-Flames uh, game a couple weeks ago. And the Stars were losing with one minute left in the second. Five one, five one, yeah, five one, and Sagan ended up scoring a, a last minute goal in the second, so it helped a little bit. But uh, the Stars almost made a comeback. They scored. What was it? They scored. The, the Flames scored another goal quick in the third. From I think I remember. It's been a little, little bit, but the Stars scored three goals in like six minutes to go down by a goal to try to win the game and. It's been, you know, when you're down by th- three or four goals, normally you're not going to come back, but the Stars have that fight in them this year to be able to fight back and, and put themselves back in the games. Yeah. So that is a, that is a plus. And then another big plus, too, I really want to emphasize is the signing of Colin Miller. He really was fighting for uh, the number six spot in training camp, but now he's on the top, uh, top line with uh, Miro. So it's been really good to see him this year uh, step it up. He's a physical physical and gritty defenseman, but um, also he's a plus 20 on the ice. So it, you know, you could see how when he's on the ice, you know, things happen. And um, not only defensively for him, but, on, you know, on the offensive end, he's, he's out on the ice and goals are scored. So it's been really nice being able to see him. And it's been a good signing for the Stars. Uh, this year to really you know protect Miro and help out Miro on the on the first first defensive line yeah so um I just wanted to emphasize those two things uh, as well because I didn't get to those he's shown his flashes of his youthness uh at times I would say but yeah he's been he's been a good pickup um I know we talked about him a little bit in our last episode but yeah he's been a solid contributor to what we got going on so Okay, yeah, I respect those two points a lot. Anything else you you want to say? I think that's basically it right now. I just I'm excited to you know watch the skills competition coming up in a couple days as of tomorrow. So um, I think yeah, skills competition is tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, because the game is on. Is the tournament on Saturday? Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. Saturday, because okay. they don't want to conflict with the Pro Bowl, the dumb Pro Bowl. Yeah. But anyways, how how fun. Mm-hmm. All right, dude. Well, this was really, really fun. I'm finally, well, I'm bleh. I'm going to restart. I'm so glad we got to do this. Finally got it done after we talked about it for honestly over a month now. So a month, a month or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's good to to have you back, man. Thanks for all your insight and and all your research and all that fun stuff, um, listener. Thanks for being here. 
We appreciate you listening to us talk about the hacky uh, for about an hour. If you like what you heard, uh, go rate and review the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to the show at, and be sure to tell a friend about it and to get all your fellow hockey fans listening. Be sure to follow the both of us on social media. I'm going to leave uh, Garrett's handles in the show notes. Uh, my handles are there every week, so you know what they are at this point. Uh, be sure to click all the links in the show notes as well. If you want to follow the pod, follow at Dennis and Friends Pod on Instagram. And if you want to email uh, us, you can email DennisFriendsPod at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. I'm about to take a break for a little bit and get ready to record my second episode of the day here in about uh, an hour and a half. So that's going to be pretty fun. Expect this episode to drop first before the next episode. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you being here. Until then, until next time, be good and do good. Garrett, sign us out. Peace out.